Turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 139. Psalms 139. If you have the Bible app, feel free to open that now, and you can have all of the notes there as well. And Psalm 139. Now, typically we read out of the NASB version, but today we're going to read out of the contemporary English version. The word of the Lord reads, say amen when you're there. He says, you look deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I'm resting or when I'm working, and from, and from heaven you discover my thoughts. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. I'm going to read that again, verse 3. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. Before I even speak a word, you know what I will say. Before I even speak a word, you will know what I say. Does that kind of make anyone else nervous? It does me. I say some things that are wild sometimes and to think that he, he knows what I'm about to say. I think he gave some of that to my wife, some of that stuff. He says, before I speak a word, you know what I will say? And with your powerful arm, you protect me from every side. Everybody say every side. He says, I can't understand all of this. It's such wonderful knowledge. It's far above me. And where could I go to escape from your spirit or from your sight? If I were to climb up to the highest heavens, you would be there. If I were to dig down to the world of the dead, you would also be there. Suppose I had wings like the dawning day and I flew across the ocean. Even there, your powerful arm would guide me and protect me. Or suppose I said, I'll hide in the dark until night comes to cover me over. But you see in the dark because daylight and dark are the same to you. Verse 13 says, you are the one who put me together inside my mother's body. Now, can we just stop right there and say that there's been a lot of talk about unborn children in our culture, in our world. Just so everyone is clear, where Crossroads Church stands, we value life from the very beginning. Amen? This church we do. And David is writing it here. He says, you're the one who put me together inside my mother's body. And I praise you because of the wonderful way you created me. And everything you do is marvelous. And of this I have no doubt. Nothing about me is hidden from you. Yikes. I was secretly woven together deep in the earth below, but with your own eyes, you saw my body being formed. And even before I was born, you had written in your book everything I would do. Your thoughts are far beyond my understanding, much more than I could ever imagine. I, I tried to count your thoughts, but they outnumber the grains of sand on the beach. And when I awake, I find you nearby. I, I love that part. And when I, when I wake up, I find you near me. How I wish that you would kill all the cruel and heartless people and to protect me from them. They're always rebelling and speaking evil of you. You know I hate anyone who hates you, Lord, and refuses to obey. They are enemies too, and I truly hate them. David, tell us how you really feel, actually. Verse 23, look deep into my heart, God, and find out everything I am thinking. Don't let me follow evil ways but lead me in the way that has proven true. God, I thank you for today. Oh, precious Holy Spirit, you are in this room, and we, we thank you. and We acknowledge that you're here. You're the one that's going to change the hearts and the lives and the minds of the people. It's not me. There's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to bring life change. It's all, it's all you. 
So bring life change today. Change us from the inside out. Let us know confidently that when we leave here that you have been thinking about us, that you love us, and that every time that we've gone to sleep or what we've risen, that you were there the whole time. We thank you for that. We give you all the praise and the glory. God's people said, amen, so be it. I don't know about anyone else. When you read Psalms 139, there's this weird part interjected right here at verse 19. How I wish that you would kill all the cruel and heartless people and protect me from them. Anybody that has enemies, say amen. You don't have to pretend like it. You don't end up reading that part. Some of you are like, yes, I love that part of the Bible. Kill them all, God. They are always rebelling and speaking evil of you. You know I hate anyone who hates you, Lord, and refuses to obey, and I truly hate them, and I truly, truly, truly do. And so when I read, when I read Psalms 139, there's this, all this, this, this beautiful rhetoric. There's this, this love language between David and God talking about how you created me, and you're thinking about me, and you love me. And, you know, when I go to sleep and when I wake up, you're there. And, and all the days of my life, you've written them down in your book. And it's just beautiful stuff. And then all of a sudden, we have this weird part interjected right here. And then it finishes off with David saying, you know what, God, lead me and guide me in the correct way. And I think you need to know today that this part is in there for a very reason because David is talking about the story of his life. And he's saying there's been parts of my story where people have come against me. Anybody got haters in life? People that have opposed you. In the last few weeks, we've talked a lot about opposition. People who have opposed you. People who have come against you almost as if they had been sent to oppose you. Like that was their assignment in life. Like they wake up thinking they... Like, you ever felt like that? There's been people in your life like, is this their only job in life is just to oppose me, to, like, make me have a bad day? Maybe you're married to them. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, why are you so miserable? I'm married, that's why. (laughs) We all have opposition. We all have people that face us. But David is writing, he's writing about his story of his life. And as we start this new series, as we talk about the story of life, we watch this skit and I hope you caught what was happening because there's this part of us that wants to write our story. And there's this part of God that wants to write our story. And it seems like there's this constant friction between us and the Lord, this battle over the keyboard, this battle over the typewriter, this battle over the pen to write what our story will look like. And so I know the temptation for all of us is we have a projected outcome of what we want our lives to look like. Maybe, maybe there's a woman in here today that you're married and you have kids. And so maybe your whole life, all you ever wanted to be was a mother. I mean, that was it. Like it was your mission to be a mom. You were on a mom mission. If you had to get married to become a mom, it didn't even matter. You were just on a mission to be a mom. And that's all you wanted was to be a mom. Maybe there's a guy in here, a dad in here, a man in here, and you just wanted the best career that you could ever have and make a lot of money and have 2.4 kids and a household and a white picket fence and all those things. Whatever it is, I think if we're honest and we're transparent, a lot of us have a projected outcome of what we want our life to look like, what we think it should look like as the pages of our life unfold, as the book of our life unfolds. This is how the story should go. And if we're is equally as transparent, honest with ourselves. I think our common denominator in here today is that all of us can say there have been moments as the stories and the pages of my life have unfolded, it has read like a horror story, like a Stephen King novel. Anybody say amen on that one? Yeah. 
Maybe you had a failed marriage. Maybe you had two failed marriages. Maybe you had three failed marriages. Maybe after three, you should think and pray about getting married again. I don't know. Hear my heart. I'm just, I'm just joking. But maybe you had a failed marriage. Maybe you had a failed business. Maybe you invested a lot of money and you had a failed business. Maybe there's been some things in life that have happened to you that have been unfair and, and have wrongfully categorized you and pigeonholed you and turned you into someone that you never intended or wanted to be. I think that's our common denominator here today, church, is that we've all had some stuff happen to us that we just don't like. Now, there have been some great times. I know it's easy sometimes. Isn't it easy to focus on the bad things, what's going wrong? Seriously, like watch the news. Like, I usually would not tell you to do that, but, but go home and watch the news. And it's going to be about, of course, politics right now. It's going to be about the economy. It's going to be about the Iran deal. It's going to be about this. It's going to be about Planned Parenthood. It's going to be about all these things. Bad, 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 bad. Negative, negative, negative. Bad, 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 bad stuff. Right? What's wrong with America? What's wrong with our country? What's wrong with the world? Everything is wrong. Everything. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Like when I watch the news, I'm depressed. Like I need some Prozac. I'm like, somebody give me something stiff to get me out of this. Like, I mean, it's bad. But I think if you would take a moment and reflect in your life, there's been some good things that have happened along the way too. Think about the moments where God rescued you from yourself. Somebody shout amen on that one. Mm -hmm. You always blame the devil, but the truth is the devil is nowhere to be found, and it was all you. But the moments where God rescued us and ransomed us and saved us, perhaps your day and you're like Jerry and Frankie, and you're on your way to 53 years. That's nuts. That's crazy. <laughs> 53 years. I've got 17 under my belt. Feels like 53 at times, but I've got 17 under my belt. Let's be real about it, you know. Every day is a jewel. Amen. But, but man, the day that I found my wife, man, it was a great day. And the day that my kids were born, it was a great day. The day that I became pastor of this church, it was a great day. And if, I'm, if I, and if I look hard enough, and I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, if, if, I'm, if I'm slow enough when I wake up, if I'll just pause for a moment, I'll see that, God, you woke me up today. Thank you. Thank you for breathing life in me today. Thank you for putting fresh wind in my cells today. Thank you for giving me a new start today. Isn't it cool that every day you get to hit the restart button? You get to start over. Somebody should shout right now and give God a praise because some of you every day, you need a restart. You ever jacked up a day so bad you couldn't wait for the night to come and you could restart the day? Like get a redo. And God gives us restarts every day. He gives us a chance to get it right every day. And he says, you know what happened yesterday? That's fine. That page has been turned. That part of your story is already gone. Today you get a new chance to do something great today. Today you get to get your marriage right today. Today you get a chance to get it right. Amen? And God gives us these amazing restarts. And so as we're like turning the pages of our book, as we're, as we're flipping through, as I'm reading through my life, there are moments that are joyous. There are moments that are great. There are moments of my story that are just fantastic. 
But there are certainly some moments that I wish never happened. If I'm honest and transparent with you this morning, there, there are moments that I wish never would have happened. Has anybody ever read a, a really good book in here? Come on, raise your hand. Wave in the air like just okay. All right, good, good. We've got some people who read. Maybe you can read. That's good. Let's just start there, first of all. Okay. Yes, awesome. <laughs> read a good book. I, I, I enjoy reading. I used to not enjoy reading, but, but the last few years I've really enjoyed reading. Books on leadership, of course, God's Word, other Christian books. And so, some, you know, sometimes you come along a book that is just like you want to share it with everybody that you know. You ever found a book like that? You're just like, you've got to read this book, and it's your life's mission to make sure somebody reads this book. If you're like my friend Noah, they have audio books. If you don't know this or not, <laughs> we've got some audio book lovers in here. Yeah, you can go to iTunes. You don't have to read a book. You need to listen to the book. It's even better. And you get to hear the author read the book out loud. So he's got me turn on these audio books now. And there's been some great books that have come along. There's also been some books that people have suggested to me, and I pick them up, I'm reading them, I'm like, and I'll keep reading. Man, what am I missing here? What were they talking about? Like, what were they, well, anyway, well, you know, what was going on when they were reading this book? And, and I read this book, and I'm like, yeah, it's not as great as I thought it would be. And, and when I look at our life, my life, or when you look at your life, I think, again, there are moments that certainly were really, really great. And there's been moments that have been really, really bad. There's been moments of your story that were that have been tough and challenging, moments that have been hard to work through, moments where it's been hard to read. There, there's been moments where you, you, it's like a train wreck. It's almost like you can't take your eyes off of it. You have to read it no matter how bad it gets. You just keep reading. And our book is the story of our life, church, is like that. It's a roller coaster sometimes. It's really, 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 really great, and sometimes it's really, really, really bad. And then there's been moments, let's be honest, where we've loved the Lord, we've served the Lord, and it seems like right in the middle of our story, God interjects this mess. It's like, God, where were you when this stuff was being written? Surely you're not the one that wrote that. If you're the one sitting at the typewriter, is it you that really typed that stuff out? How could you let me endure that? How could you let me walk through that? How could you let me suffer that? Have you ever had a page of your book, of your story, and you said to yourself, God, where were you when that was written? Anyone brave enough to raise your hand? I'm raising my hand. I'll raise both hands. There's been moments of my life where I've been reading and I've been reading, and I look at it, and I say, God, where, where were you when that was written? Because that doesn't sound like you at all. That doesn't look like you at all. That doesn't sound like words that you would use. My story, I think, my story becomes all about me. And I think that's the trap church that we fall into, that we get so consumed with our story. We get so consumed with us that we miss out on the greatest story of all. And that's the story that God loves us. And if we're transparent, we're honest with ourselves, Larry, that we find out that my story, when it's not about me, I don't like it. Come on, who's with me today? Stay away. 
Cowboys don't play Patriots till later. In Jesus' name. Give them favor, Lord. Please, today, give them favor. Let Tom Brady not make it to the game. Anyway, we'll, let's keep moving on. Maybe God can write a new story today. <laughs> Amen. But if I'm truthful and honest with you, and if you will be honest with yourself, when your story is about you, it's bad. And nobody wants to read that story because it's all too familiar. And that story becomes about me. And I look at my story, and it's me, 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 and it's about me-ville, and that's where I want to live. And I begin to say things like, God, where were you when this happened? God, why is it turning out like this? Why haven't you done this differently? It's my story after all. And the truth is, church, your life is not your story. Can I remind you that Scripture says that you are not your own, but you have been bought with a price. Amen? So look at your neighbor and say, it is not your story. Say, it is his story. So today, God is wanting us to get out of that seat today. And he's asking for permission to sit down and to start writing in your life again. And he's not going to push you out. He's not going to force you out. He's not going to start a coup. But he's going to say, if you'll give me permission to let me start writing in your life again. Let me write an ending that you would be proud of. Let me interject a chapter in your life that you would be proud of. And so, so often for whether you're a teenager or you're 80 years old, wherever you are and you fall in that gap today, that if we're not careful, our story becomes all about us. And as a friend told me last night, that's idolatry. Because the story's about me. And it's all about me. And what, how I feel, what, how, how does it turn out for me? What does it look like for me? Me, 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 me. So 17 years ago, June the 13th, was our first date. When I first met Holly... Literally the first day, I told my mother, I was like, I'm going to marry her. I'm going to do it. That's what I'm going to do. And I, and I did. I married her. I was the greatest magician. I tricked her. And I've been tricking her for 17 years. Amen. <laughs> One day she's going to wake up and realize she made a mistake. No. But, but I still was going to marry her. And, and so instantly, like she's hot now, and I thought she was hot then. Let's just be real. You act like, oh, you couples in here, like, you know. If you're a teenager in here, you've thought those things before, too. Let's just be real, amen? And so I was like, wow, she's fine. There was, there was no praying about it. There was no fasting about it. Like, my eyes saw what I liked. Amen. And so, <laughs> and so I instantly began thinking about her all the time. Like there was little that I else that I thought about other than her. And I'm telling you today, I'm not saying this to make ourselves look good, but today after 17 years, I still find myself thinking about her a lot. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I'm getting some claps. All right, that's good. I didn't expect that. I think about her all the time and we find reasons just to text each other for nothing. 
we'll text images of like funny images of that sounded really bad. So we text like, <laughs> like I'm gonna stop there. Anyway, we text each other throughout the day. Um, we find reasons to call each other just because. Like, hey, how are you doing? Is everything at work? I know her job can be very stressful at times. The team that she works on, she works for a software company, and she's on a special team. And so they deal with uh, high-valued people and their their clients and their customers. So I know her job can be very stressful throughout the day. So I'll, sometimes I'll just text her. I'll call her and say, hey, how's it going? I'm praying for you today. I'm thinking about you. I want to encourage you today. I want to pray for you. Well, let's just pray. We, haven't, we didn't get a chance to pray this morning when I left, so let's pray. And so just I'm thinking about her all the time thinking about her. And and in my relationship with God, if I really stop and hear him say and listen listen to his heart for me, I find that he's been thinking about me a lot too. And that God God is always thinking about you. Look at your neighbor and say, God is thinking about you. He is. He's always thinking about you. He is always thinking about you. He is always thinking about you, Aaron. He is always thinking about you. Sonny, he is always thinking about you. In fact, there's never a moment in the day, think about this church, where God is not thinking about us. That's pretty powerful. You say, Pastor Matt, you mean to tell me that the God of creation, the architect of this world is thinking about me? And I'm saying emphatically, yes, he is thinking about you all the time. He is thinking about you. Day and night, he is thinking about you. He never stops thinking about you. And so the real question today is not whether God is thinking about me. The real question is, am I thinking about him as much as he is thinking about me? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, the answer would be no. And I think about a lot of things throughout the day. Many times, they're not thoughts about God. There have been thoughts that I have thought to myself. And those thoughts have been like, God, where were you when this was being written right in the page of my life? If I'm honest with you, church, there's some pages of my story of my life that I would like to rip out that I would like to edit, that I would like to put some white out in and say, I wish that had never happened. There have been some people that have hurt me when I was a teenager, when I was hurt, and I would say, God, where were you when that was written? How could you let that happen? And his answer to us, church, is I absolutely was there. But the truth is, church, that we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. And it's not that God never loved you. It's not that he ever stopped thinking about you. But for somebody in here today, you need to know emphatically in your soul and your heart and the deepest parts of your soul and your spirit today that the moments where you were hurt the most and when you cried the hardest, that he wept right beside you. 
And he hates that we live in a fallen world. And he hates that you were hurt. And he hates that that was written in your life. But the beauty of God being author is that he can take the stuff that we deem invaluable, the stuff that we want to rip out. And he says, please don't rip that out, but I'm going to make that into a beautiful love story. Give God a praise. darkest of the moments he was there and david says where can i hide from you where can i go that you're not there when i've wanted to escape when i've wanted to retreat when i've wanted to withdraw god forbid the moments the thoughts that i've had where i've wanted to even take my own life at times in those thoughts you were thinking about me you were the one keeping me from that deepest, the darkest part of my story. I mean, when there was no light at all, David said, even darkness does not matter to you. It's all the same to you. Isn't that beautiful church? That the darkest moments of our life that we don't ever even want to talk about, we wish that we could forget. David says that the darkest moments are not dark to you at all. You see clearly no matter how dark it is. So church today, you need to know that God is thinking about you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's thinking about you. That was pretty pedestrian. Look at your neighbor and say, he's thinking about you. Amen. God wants to rewrite it today. I think he wants to give you a rewrite. Amen. How many are willing to let God write some joy into your story? Amen. How about a little peace today, amen? How about a little hope today, amen? Yeah, sure give God a praise all across this place. Because when we let the author of life write in our story, beautiful things begin to happen, amen? And God can absolutely rewrite any story, no matter if it looks like a Stephen King horror story. God says, I can turn it into the best story of all, a story that would make the the craziest skeptic believe in him, amen? A story of joy and a story of hope and a story of peace. Let's stand our feet all across this place. You know, as we sing this song again, oh, how he loves us. I want you to really think about that. Think about that, that God loves us, that he's been thinking about us, that we've been on his mind day and night. And as David said, that when I wake up, you're there. How cool to know that God is always thinking about us. You know, before we sing this, every night in our house, I'm always the last one to go to bed. I make sure all the doors are locked, the windows are shut, the alarm's on. It's my job as a father to make sure everybody's in their bed, everything's secure. And so I've done this from the very beginning, from our oldest daughter now to Harrison. I go in their room when they're asleep, and I I lightly put my hand on them, and I pray over them every night. I do this every night. And I, I, I pray over them. I look at them as they're sleeping and how peaceful they are. And then I make my way to bed. And in the morning when we wake up, I'm there. And and David was saying that. He's saying, God, that when I sleep, then in the morning when I wake up, you're there with me. And I think we need to know that in our hearts today, in our soul, in our spirit, the deepest part of who we are, 
that God's there with us. Amen. You know, with your head bowed, your eyes closed across this place, nothing magical happens when we do that. It's just a great way for us to come together in unity and agreement. And I believe that Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart and your life today. I certainly have been praying that he has. I'm going to ask our elders and our prayer partners, our staff, to join us at the front. If you're guests for the first time today, we take an opportunity every Sunday morning to bookend what God has done, to put an exclamation mark on our time together. The altar is a safe place. You know, like when you're playing tag with your friends when you were kids and base, if you got on base, nothing, nobody could touch you there. You've got to look at the altar like that. Like that's your safe place. That's base. That's where you can go and find peace and healing and hope and rescue and restoration. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Matt, that's me. There's been characters in my story. There's been people that have come against me. There's been opposition. There's been moments where I've wondered where God was. Was he truly thinking about me? And emphatically, the answer is yes, he was, sir. Yes, he was, ma'am. And there's never been a moment in history where he has not been thinking about you. And the beautiful thing about it is he's made it all about you. He, he sent Jesus for you. He sent his son to die for you. And, and so we wonder, where was God? And he was saying, I've been there all along. It's, it's not, has he been thinking about us? The real question is, are we thinking about him? as much as he thinks about us. And so today, we have a chance to get it right. I want to invite you to be bold, to be brave, and to be courageous, to get out from where you are, to find a place here and pray, and let God heal your heart. Let him heal your soul. Find one of our staff, our prayer partners, find one of our elders, and fall into the arms of God again and let him love you. Give him permission to love on you today. As we sing again, as we worship again, I want to invite you to do that. Be courageous and bold. Don't sit in that chair and stand in that spot and leave the same way and leave with the hurts and leave with the pain and leave with the regret. What would your marriage and your home look like today if you brought all of that to the feet of our Lord and you laid it down and you walked away a new person today? Come today as we sing, as we worship, find a place to commune with God. Come on, church, react today, respond today. Join me at the front. Find a place, find one of these men, one of these women to pray with. Find healing today for your soul. Find hope for your heart today. Amen.